This hour of the Bill Meyer Show podcast is made possible by Clouser Drilling. Clouser Drilling is proud to sponsor the show. We appreciate them, too. If you need to drill for water, be sure to call Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. ClouserDrilling.com. More with Bill Meyer. 12 minutes after 6, it is Wednesday. A very foggy 35 degrees here by the Rogue Valley International Airport. And wherever you happen to be, probably foggy at around uh, 35 too, chilly. And we're only getting up to about 45, so definitely wintertime. And uh, like the folks from NBC5 were just mentioning here, that uh, we'll see some more rain as uh, time goes on over the next few days. Uh, Join the conversation on Wheels Up Wednesday, 770-5633-770-KMED. My email, Bill at BillMeyerShow.com. By the way, a little update. Yesterday, (laughs) I had people writing me. That uh, about uh, the uh, Carhartt hoodie that I got for Christmas that I ended up, uh, first off, uh, splatting the mustard on. And then um, working two days to get the mustard out of my uh, navy blue Carhartt hoodie. And then um, and then Chester the cat gets sick and then runs around the house to throw up on the unstained, well, formerly unstained Carhartt hoodie. And then uh, the cat threw up on that. That was the only thing that the cat saw that he could throw up on. And Chester threw up on the Carhartt that was drying on a chair. (laughs) And I just want to let you know that, yes, both stains have been removed. So the I have the cleanest Carhartt navy blue uh, hoodie here in southern Oregon because it's been washed about eight times and uh, de-stained, uh, you know, three or four times and rinsed and, and rug out. So uh, I know that uh, Nikita was talking about just, uh, you know, laughing about that. So I just wanted to give you an update. Not the most important uh, story of the day, but uh, at least it was important for me, if nothing else. Anyway, join the conversation here, 770-563-3770-KMED. Eric Peters will be joining me after the 630 News, as usual, for Wheels Up Wednesday, as we'll talk about the various transportation news. By the way, he had a re- he has a really interesting uh, review on a new Chrysler vehicle that, um, you know, since the feds are saying you're not going to be actually driving the cars that people want, but uh, he, he says they're really trying to work around the regulations and something relatively exciting that he's going to talk about in the SUV world. And normally, Eric is just kind of like, oh, okay, here it is, yet another crossover SUV. It's like every car looks the same, the same shape, everything else, and uh, and the same uh, 2.0 turbocharged uh, four-cylinder. Oh, now it's getting down to 1.6-liter uh, turbocharged. Oh, maybe a 1.3-liter turbocharged. Uh, uh, no, a 1.6-liter, rather, three-cylinder turbocharged. You know, that kind of thing. But he says there's actually something kind of exciting out there. So he'll tell me more about that. Big story around here in uh, southern Oregon still continues to be this uh, Asante nurse situation in which at least one under investigation, more likely closer to eight, nine. One of my insider sources are saying actually they're thinking up to 10 people killed by a nurse at Asante Rogue Regional Medical Center, mostly in the ICU, I guess is what they're uh, thinking about. And we don't know a whole lot more today. Other than uh, there was an update that I noticed here in the uh, Daily Courier uh, because everyone's trying to you know get something. And nobody's really talking much about this. But uh, remember, we talked about this yesterday we first started it. And uh, I had received some tips on this one and it was not able to get um, any confirmation on this one. 
I still have not heard back. You know, I'm going to write the uh, PIO of uh, Medford Police and at least wondering why I, I didn't get a response. Maybe it didn't get through on the uh, holiday. But like I said, I first heard was getting uh, some story about the uh, patients having uh, been killed Christmas weekend. And Southern Oregon just did not seem to uh, want to respond at that point. I don't know. It's kind of a hot potato, right? I mean, this is a big deal, and you just don't want to go half-cocked. Half and I didn't want to go on Facebook and just say, hey, rumors that people are dying over at Asante, right? You just don't want to be that guy, you know, to uh, to do that sort of stuff, even though uh, the source I had was really credible. And what I'm wondering, this is a theory that I've come up with here. And I'm wondering if one of the reasons why, anyway, back to the, before I get on to what I was wondering here, the Daily Courier situation, they they reported that Lieutenant Jeff Kirkpatrick of the Medford Police Department told the Daily Courier today, this was yesterday, that MPD is likely to provide a statement later this week, but isn't offering details at this point. And he said, we were handed an investigation from Asante a couple of weeks ago. It's still a preliminary investigation, he said. All right, so they were handed off that investigation at the same time that I was inquiring to them about, hey, do you know anything about this? Is is something going on? This still takes me back to, all right, Asante knew that they had a problem with their nurse. They finally figured out through an investigation that they had a problem with a nurse that was uh, stealing fentanyl, allegedly stealing fentanyl, and then injecting tap water into the IV bags and then causing infections, and several people ended up dying from this because you end up in injecting these uh, bacteria, bacteria in the water because uh, tap water is not sterile. It's very low level of bacteria, but still, there's some in there. If you drink the water, it's fine. You inject the water, it's a very different thing. You know, that sort of deal, okay? That's the way that works. Asante knew they had a problem probably October, November... But Medford Police doesn't have the investigation handed off to them until Christmas weekend? Or around that time? Maybe the week before Christmas? Doesn't that seem a little odd? What I wonder, and this is the question, this is what's running through my mind. Does it seem reasonable to you to think that might what be going on at Asante was that Asante was hoping to just have a nice, quiet settlement in which you get in touch with all the family members and you make a settlement, a million, two, three million, whatever the case might be. In other words, you get the lawyers involved in this. And I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just theorizing here. Just spare, spare with me, kind of spitballing. Could it be that you're just going to try to keep this quiet. And I understand why you'd like to keep this quiet. You fire the nurse, and then you make all of these, uh, make a settlement offer, let's say, or start the process of making settlement offers. And then maybe when you do settlement offers, you have NDAs. And maybe they figured they couldn't do this because then it started looking more like, you know, criminal. You actually have a criminal, and so, uh, I guess we can't do this. 
it still makes me wonder why it took so long for the investigation, which obviously would seem to have a criminal aspect to it. Why did it take so many weeks to get handed over to Medford police? Because according to Lieutenant Jeff, uh, Lieutenant Jeff Kirkpatrick at MPD, it was only the last two weeks that they've had this. Asante's known there's been a problem there for quite some time, at least a month or two, right? A month or two, maybe even longer. That's still something going through my mind, and maybe we can continue to talk. We're just going to keep following the story, at least, uh, you know, it's out there. And bit by bit, it'll be dribbled out, and uh, the city of Medford Police say they'll let us know more a little bit later this week. But that's a- another wrinkle of this. Was this something in which uh, people were hoping that, okay, well, maybe this is just looking like malpractice. We just had a druggy nurse, uh, whatever it is. And then uh, one or two people, maybe you do a payoff to the family and try to keep this quiet and try to avoid the the public excrement storm. You know, that kind of thing. I'm thinking there may be something to that. But like I said, I'm just spitballing. But it does make you wonder. And then they realize, oh, wait a minute. They got uh, several people dead. Yeah, this is, you know, this is looking me. No, we can't just make some offers on this one. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's what was going on in the offices of, uh, of Asante. And I'm not saying there's bad intent, but it's just like, you know, you have something. They realize that, you know, you're liable. You're going to have to do something. But then maybe realizing more that, oh, boy, we got a criminal on our hands here. I, of course, I would have thought that the moment you had them stole, uh, stealing drugs that, and diverting drugs, you know, they call it drug diversion. That's the other thing. Quit calling it drug diversion. You're stealing drugs, all right? And that's kind of like, it's like everything about today, about today's uh, media. It's like you, you have to give it a name that, uh, well, it's uh, services. No, it's welfare, okay? <laughs> it's services. Welfare, you know. Uh, and then uh, drug, well, it was a drug diversion inside the hospital. No, you had a, a dirtbag nurse stealing drugs. From the system and from the patients. You know, that kind of thing. Start calling it like it is. No, you're not a sex offender. You're a pervert. Okay? That kind of thing. Or I should say not you, but, you know, hey, someone's a uh, sex offender. They're a pervert. And I thought it were a deviant. You know, it was it was uh, much better when you could call it that back in the day. It's uh, 622 at KMED, KCMD. So anyway, that's, that's still where we're going to keep uh, an eye on things over here in the next few days. This is a massive story. It's going to have national implications, too. This is the Bill Myers Show, and you're on KMED, KCMD. Happy New Year from everyone at Good Guys Guns. Now through January, all in-stock Glocks are $20 off, including Blue Label. They also offer layaway plans for every budget. Did you know that they offer professional firearm cleaning and are certified in Cerakote color coatings? And remember, their next concealed handgun class is January 14th. Good Guys Guns, the Valley's premier gun shop, 4934 Crater Lake Avenue in Medford, and online at goodguysguns.com. That's Good Guys Guns. Good guys, guns. The Row Gardener, sponsored by Grange Co-op. We try to control weeds with other plants, plants that will grow in place of the weeds. Using that kind of a strategy, we can then make sure that we are doing pest control so that we're not trying to kill every insect on the face of this earth, only the ones that are harmful to our plants, and it just seems to make sense. Talk to Stan Live Saturdays 10 to noon and a Sunday morning encore at 9 on KMED and KCMD. 
Your smile is the key to your health and confidence. Did you also know that research has concluded people have almost as much fear about finding a new dentist as they do about going to the dentist? Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Johnson, and here at Dental Excellence, we value the confidence and trust our patients have in us. My 20 years of experience in thorough training equals comprehensive dental care. From creating that perfect filling or doing that perfect root canal in my dental microscope to restoring a patient's confidence with implant-supported dentures, we can do it all here at Dental Excellence. For those who need, I am highly trained and certified in IV sedation and the art of creating a comfortable, relaxed, stress-free environment. Are you looking for friendly, compassionate, personal care? Come and join our excellent dental family. Call 541-779-6170 today for a free consultation. Dental Excellence. Dental Excellence. Changing lives, one smile at a time. The news of 2023. I remember. May. A U-Haul truck crashed into the barriers of the White House. The jury found Trump liable. He is a sexual abuser, and a jury listening to the evidence found that that's what he did. I here present unto you King Charles. Congressman George Santos. We have an indictment. We have the information that the government wants to come after me upon. Seven counts of wire fraud. For all the news in 2024, stay with KMED and KCMD. Hi, I'm Lisa with Kelly's Automotive Service, and I'm on KMED and KCMD. 625. Cheryl and others have uh, have mentioned to me, though. Hey, by the way, Bill, with that Asante story, there was also the reporting that there was uh, contamination in the central water supply. Yeah, and I understand that. But I can't help but think. Um, well, I guess the, the point being, though, is that even if the water supply was uh, was contaminated or they had some contaminated problems and. There was reporting on how uh, Asante was saying, yep, we were having some problems with uh, with contamination. The issue here, though, it, it almost seems like that's a side issue that maybe that's what they thought was going on at first, but it really ends up being a dirtbag nurse, uh, maybe a, a raving drug lunatic nurse. Of course, I don't know. You would think other people would have noticed what was going on. I don't know. Are you just selling it or you know, what? Who knows? We don't know at this point. Maybe the uh, the water problems were covering for other issues going on. And then they realized, oh, wait a minute. We're seeing this spike of infections and then um, inspection, I- infections and deaths. And then we realize, oh, we have a, uh, a dirtbag nurse problem. And then the nurse gets fired and found out, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, stealing the fentanyl and various other drugs from the uh, the system. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, like I said, it's... it's uh, it's a lot to chew on, but yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I know they've been talking about the uh, water contamination, but I think that was almost a side issue that ended up uh, perhaps covering up. Not Asante covering it up, but it, it but it kind of uh, confused the issue there for a while. Like I said, we we don't know for sure, and a lot of this is uh, pure conjecture and or speculation, and that's that's all we can do at this point until more comes out. But I still do wonder. If uh, one of the well, that could explain, though, why there was such a long time between when Asante knew they had a problem with patients dying before it got handed off to Medford police. Now, that could be, you know, a possible explanation. Yeah. All right. Well, just uh, stay on this. okay? 
Betty Martin used to be a nurse here. She writes me about this. Uh, Bill, I can't get the story about Asante out of my gray matter space, and I've come to the conclusion that there has to be at least two nurses involved in the switching out of liquid. Uh, back in the day when I was working in the hospital, there were always two sets of eyes per patient. If, there, if they were in ICU, one RN would always be on patient. They would uh, sit just outside of the glass doors watching and charting all the time, and the other eyes would be dealing with contact of patient. If the patients were doing chemo IV, there should be a number of pairs of eyes at all time, including patients and staff. The fentanyl comes in a number of strengths and mixed and then added to IV. Let me just uh, go to it, the IV bag. And it comes in pill and patch form as well and is used often after new surgery. And the fentanyl is what uh, killed Michael Jackson. His 24-7 doctor uh, gave him the drip all the time, according to testimony. The investigation will go back to every person that died since that RN was hired. And, of course, the uh, computer could quickly find all that out. I just find it impossible that only one person was behind the whole thing. Lots of things had to be covered to allow the withdrawal and adding, et cetera. Thanks, Betty. Betty Martin. Betty, you know, you could be right. We don't know. Um, I don't know if that is the procedure for Asante and or Prov right now, given that there has been quite the nursing shortage for a while. And we've heard a lot of conversation about uh, the uh, the nursing shortage. But anyway, you having been a, a former medical person, at least uh, raising another issue here, we're going to give you an email of the day. Email of the day uh, sponsored by Dr. Steve Nelson, Central Point Family Dentistry, centralpointfamilydentistry.com. And if you don't have medical insurance, that's okay. They have a dental plan there that works a lot like dental insurance and is much better benefits in many cases. Check that out. CentralPointFamilyDentistry.com is right next door to the Mazatlan Mexican restaurant off of, I think it's Freeman Road, Central Point. You turn right, go by McDonald's, then there's Mazatlan, and then there's Dr. Steve, okay? It's uh, 629 and change at KMED KCMD. Let's kick into Wheels Up Wednesday with Eric Peters. We'll join him after news and... See what else is going on, okay, on KMED and KCMD. At Fontana Roofing, their roof replacement teams give homeowners honest advice every day. Let's check in and see what's new. Did you see the relief on that homeowner's face with the good news that her roof had another five years of life left in it? Yeah, she was pleased as punch. The bad news is that Nerf football I found up there has seen better days. Indeed, but the good news is there's still enough granules to reflect light and heat away from the roof, preserving for now the asphalt underneath. And the bad news is excessive UV rays and weather on that southern exposure makes those pebbles wear out faster and the wood sheeting could be eventually compromised. And the good news is it's lunchtime and I've got coupons for tacos. And the bad news is that I left my wallet at home. That's not news. Fontana Roofing is your local expert on residential re-roofs. Get an accurate news report on your roof today. Visit FontanaRoofingServices.com. News sponsored by Caveman Heating and Air. It's the climate and we control it. Call Caveman Heating and Air at 541-476-0009 or CavemanHeating.com. Good morning, I'm Molly Smith with your NBC5 morning news update. Medford police are still looking for the driver involved in a possible felony hit-and-run that took place New Year's Eve. Yesterday, we told you a pedestrian was struck at the intersection of South Grape and West 10th Street in Medford. MPD says the victim was taken to the hospital for a head injury. 
The suspect has not yet been identified, but MPD is looking for a silver Chevy Malibu with damage to the passenger side mirror. If you know anything about the accident, please contact Medford Police. And the Ashland Community Health Foundation is helping keep students warm this winter through its mitten, glove, and hat drive. This morning at 9.15, staff at each elementary school will be giving out hats, gloves, and mittens to students in need. K-12 students in Ashland and Phoenix Talent Elementary Schools are welcome to the items. And Mount Ashland Ski Area has surpassed its $40,000 fundraising goal, allowing them to bring two new projects to life. Mount Ashland General Manager Andrew Gast says that they raised $42,995 for a grand total of almost $83,000 after the board of directors matched the original $40,000. This year's projects include a youth snow sports dome as well as relocating the poet rope tow to the train park. The next step is to get approval from the Forest Service, and once that goes through, they will start those projects next summer. And that was a look at your morning headlines. For NBC5 News, I'm Molly Smith. Hey, I want to ask you this. With interest rates on the rise, how will your home sale be affected? Hey, it's Lars Larson. Can you still make money on your property? Well, here's the answer. Call the only agent in Medford I trust to make me top dollar. Jared Hokinson with Hokinson Realty. Jared and his team are local to Medford, and they know exactly how to make this market work for you. They'll get your home sold for top dollar, no matter what the marketplace is doing. The thing is, Jared has options and strategies that get your home sold fast. His top industry-leading marketing creates demand for your home, driving up the price. And best of all, Jared guarantees to sell your home at a price and a deadline you agree to, or he'll buy it. Now you know why real estate expert and Shark Tank star Barbara Corcoran and I can't stop talking about Jared Hokinson right here in Medford. Call him today, 541-772-SOLD, or go online to 541-772-SOLD.com. That's 541-772-SOLD.com. American Rancher Garage is your premier auto care provider, serving Medford, Central Point, and the Rogue Valley, providing nothing less than the highest quality standard of professionalism on every single service and repair. Call today. Appointments are available for oil change to engine change. Get the peace of mind you deserve at American Rancher Garage on Biddle across from Elmers, 499-6673, 499-6673. American Rancher Garage. We stand behind every job we do with service you can trust. Oregon E-Deals has saved the Rogue Valley thousands of dollars over the years on things you buy and use daily, including a $100 Cartwrights Market gift card for only $85. Artisan Bakery certificates normally $25, only $15. American Rencher Garage $75 certificates good for any service, only $40. Get a Wayback Burgers $25 certificate for only $14. This and much more available exclusively at OregonEDeals.com. The Bill Myers Show is on 106.3 KMED and 99.3 KCMD. 6.34, Eric Peters, Wheels Up Wednesday. Every Wednesday, we're out on the open road, and there's a lot of transportation and car news going on. Eric, Happy New Year, and welcome back. Great to have you on. It's a banner day, and it actually is a literally Wheels Up day for me, because today is the day that my lift will arrive. I finally pulled the trigger on it. I'm tired of rolling around on my back. I got myself a lift for the garage. Oh, okay. I've noticed that this is a trend people buying, uh, you know, if you do a lot of work on cars at home, to get the hydraulic lifts at home. Now, is this going to be a lift? I know you had an article on epautos.com a couple weeks back, I think. It's when you first uh, started talking about that, in which uh, 
you could actually uh, get reasonably priced lifts that are they like ramps that you drive up on? You know, those kind of lifts, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it goes I in ended the air. up doing a whole lot of research about this, and you know, it it, it will vary depending on your circumstances. For example, uh, how high your garage uh, roof is is sure. going to be a big determining factor, and also whether your concrete is sufficiently strong to handle the kind that are um, that have posts that are drilled into the ground. Sometimes you may have to reinforce that. I ended up going with what's called a mid-rise scissor lift, which will put the car about four feet up in the air. And when it's not in use, I can just drive right on top of it. It's, oh. You know, it's perfect for me. Okay. Now, this will not uh, – it's not something where you can stand up underneath it, but, you know, you can uh, kind of crouch, I guess, underneath it or at yeah, least uh, well, be on your back. or roller chair, kind of like, you know, mechanics creepers oh, yeah. that you lie down on your back on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, imagine the same thing except it's sort of a chair. Okay. That's all right. All right. So you're not having to cr- you know, strain like you were just completely on your back when it's just on a short ramp or a, a you That's know, right. A, and pulling off a wheel, they're at chest level now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no problem taking that off and take off all four. You can do bleeding all at once. You know, all that kind of stuff that I should have done this 10 years ago. But, you know, I, sometimes I'm kind of dumb and it takes me a while to figure things out. Well, you know, you think of that stuff. I would imagine that kind of uh, technology has probably gotten less expensive over time, too, than it once well, yeah, was. Well, it has. It, it, it has. And there there's more options now. It used to be typically you had to go with some kind of a quasi-professional lift, and it was very expensive. And it, it also very involved, you know, if you didn't have a lot of space in your garage, then you had to deal with the post and walking around them, and maybe you couldn't be able to... To, to maneuver around it. So, you know, but it's way better now than it used to be. And there's pretty much an option for practically any garage. And boy, if you're someone out there that actually has a, a real separate shop, like in your backyard, how many people do, especially out here in rural Southern Oregon, you know, that kind of thing, you have a big shop out there, it'd be perfect. Boy, you never have to get on your back or anything. That'd be wonderful. I'd love that. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Looking forward to uh, finding out uh, how that works. I'm sure we'll get a review of that, too, even though you've already done your uh, your research on it, but how it actually works as you unbox it, get it installed mm-hmm. in. How, how much does it weigh? I'm just kind of curious. Uh, you're going to have to have some friends help you get that in or in place? Well, I'm not or? sure exactly. It's going to be an adventure today. The, the truck, it's going to be a big uh, semi that's going to come. And I'm assuming it's going to be on a pallet and probably in a, a bunch of pieces. And I'm hoping that the guy's got a forklift. Um, and we can hopefully just drop it in the bed of my truck, and then I'm going to drive it, ideally, into my garage and just deal with it when I have the time to deal with it. Okay, very good. Looking forward to that. Uh, <laughs> you brought up something that I, I thought was – I was just laughing about this as you pointed it out to me this morning. It's an article on EP Autos called, Would You Buy This Car? And and I know that we've had a lot to say about the psychosis, the Tesla and electric vehicle psychosis that has been force-fed, kind of like uh, we are all a bunch of uh, of geese that, and we're going to make electrical foggle, foie gras, you know, uh, from uh, the transportation department, you know, that kind of thing. And yep. tell me about about this YouTube influencer who I, I don't think is thinking quite clearly on this, but uh, give me your take on it. Yeah. Please. This guy, uh, he's an influencer. Apparently, he's got uh, enough money that he can afford to be really dumb. Uh, and it's kind of like these people who continue to take their boosters and continue to get COVID. Uh, this guy, he buys a, uh, a Tesla Model X about seven years ago, and he spends more than $100,000 on the car. Okay. And he's waxing rhapsodically about how after seven years of driving it, it's lost only 32% of its original charge capacity. Uh, okay, now, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. All right. So he's praising the fact that his Tesla has only lost 32% of its range in seven years? 
Yeah, he actually does a test drive to demonstrate how much range it's lost. And then he goes into the spiel rationalization about it, how it's not that bad. And then he talks about how it's lost two-thirds of its value. You know, originally, he spent more than 100000 on it, and now he, he estimates it's worth about $25,000. But he's ready to buy another one. Okay. Uh, and, and and this is a influencer, right? Now, well, of course, yes. I, I hate that term influencer, don't you? Just even hearing that, like, you know, this is the... This is the job to aspire to these days, I suppose. But, but, but you know, it, it, the, the thing that, that fascinates me the most is the just the, the radiocination, the, the rationalization of these people. Any other person who bought a new car, and after barely seven years of driving it, the thing had lost a third of its range and two thirds of its value. What would be the normal response in that situation? It would be well, you'd be irate, is what it would be. I mean, I can't believe how much money I've lost. I've just flushed stuff down the uh, drain. But of course, this has been a religion. This is a religious fervor of sorts, this adoption. Isn't no question. It? You know, I make, um, a, I reference in the article the fact that a couple of years ago, well, it's been about 10 years now, I think, Hyundai got in some trouble because of some advertising that was questionably uh, um, misleading. You know, they implied that their cars got 40 miles per gallon, and they didn't make it clear that they were talking about some models and on the highway, okay. you know, not the average. And there was a big brouhaha about that. You know, people sued them. It was a class action lawsuit. There was a, a big recall by the government. And, and the difference was trivial. You know, it was something like five miles per gallon overall, not a 32% difference. Well, to be fair, though, to the YouTube influencer, I'm going to try to argue the other side's case just a little bit, you know, just for uh, sake of debate. Isn't there a case to be made that things have probably improved, including battery technology between then, seven years ago, and now? And maybe it's a different story now. What do you think about that? I don't think that's true, and we won't know for another seven years. But, you know, batteries are batteries. And whether they're huge or small, you know, like in your device, whether you we're talking about a, a smartphone or a computer, over time, everybody knows this. Uh, you know, the repeated discharge and charge cycling results in a diminution of uh, the capacity of the battery, and that's why inevitably you have to get a new battery or throw the device away. And these cars are just very big and very heavy devices at the end of the day. Whatever happened to the whole push for supercapacitors instead of batteries? Do you know? Do you hear anything about that any longer? I recall reading all about this, the uh, waxing rhapsodically about it four or five years ago, saying that this could have been the uh, the game changer did that not work out? I've not heard much about it. The the big rumor now is that supposedly Toyota uh, is working on a solid state battery that's going to have anywhere between seven to nine hundred miles of range, and that's dandy. Uh, but it's 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 hypothetical, and I'd still like to know uh, how you're going to get uh, the electricity into that battery and how long it's going to take to do that. You know that's the, the key problem here. It's just it's just not easy to put that kind of power into a battery in any kind of reasonable time frame. And that's one of the reasons why you wrote that other article called Even 900 Miles of Range is Not yeah. Enough, in which you go into this. The challenge is not whether or not you have a lot of range. It's the time that it takes once you need to actually refill it. And then people will come back to you and say, well, you can plan. This is how you can plan to do this. But with current conventional powered vehicles, you don't have to do any planning. You just show up, and in three or four minutes, it's filled up. In fact, I timed it the other day. Mm -hmm. It took two and a half minutes to fill up the uh, PT, you know, from start to yep. finish. I hand them a card, and I was out in two and a half minutes. And yeah. that, that, that would do nothing on the electric car that world, which is why you can't just have a gas pump of six electric car chargers. You'd have to have 60 to probably have the same kind of throughput. 
in one place. Yeah, it's another right? example of this strange rationalization, the, this jumping through hoops that people do. Um, my Trans Am hasn't got a lot of range, you know, if I, especially if I drive it like it was designed to be driven. I can suck the tank dry in less than 200 miles. But, like you said, uh, I can fill the tank in about three minutes. So it's short range, really, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but uh, with, oh, by the way, I was going to mention, though, uh, unlike the, uh, the Tesla influencer you were talking about just a moment ago, uh, your Trans Am still has the same range today as it did in 1970-something when you got it. Or, yeah, almost you know, back 50 years down the road, exactly. Yeah. It has it has pretty much, it actually has more range because I could put an overdrive in it. And can you imagine the outrage people would have if their conventionally powered vehicle right now that they were driving, you know, three, you know, seven years later, had 30% worse gas mileage than it did back then in the yeah, beginning, it's right? it's only going to get worse. You know, that, that problem, once you get to that kind of event horizon where the battery has already lost a third of its charge capacity... It's going to scale up, and it's going to get worse and worse, and you're going to get to the point where it can only hold 50%. Uh, and then before you know it, it's it's just not enough to even use it at all, and you have to chuck it or spend an exorbitant amount of money on a replacement battery on a vehicle that's lost two-thirds of its value. And at this point now, we've had the Teslas and other EVs that have been out long enough that we're starting to finally see the downside of it. They had to exist long enough and go through the cycle so we could actually see how long they would really last, really? Yeah, if you look at uh, the used EV market, it's a, it's a catastrophe. They can't sell these things, and the reason why is obvious. Anybody who's looking into it and thinking about it is finding out, well, okay, if I buy this thing, uh, the battery's probably already about halfway through its lifespan, and then I'm going to be the one who gets saddled with having to spend uh, $15,000 or $20,000 to put a battery in a car that I, that I, that I bought for $20,000. And who's going to sign up for that? Now, on the other hand, though, the used hybrid market is just fine. That's fine for the most part, although there may sure. be some exceptions about that. Uh, I noticed that uh, there's a whole industry now uh, servicing the Toyota uh, Prius and various other mo- uh, mo- models. You know, they're, they're getting to the point where it's not that difficult, doesn't take that long to, re- to swap that battery because the battery is relatively small as contrasted with a pure electric vehicle play. Well, it's not just that it's small. It's that it is never completely or even heavily discharged. The way right. the system works, the, the gas engine serves as an automatic topper offer, if you like. It works as a generator, and it keeps putting electricity into the battery heavily discharged, and it's kept at an optimum state of charge. And it's only partially responsible for propelling the vehicle. You know, the, the electric car, on the other hand, uh, the battery is the only source of power, and it's being you know used heavily all the time to keep the vehicle moving. And in order to get where you're going, you're going to probably discharge it heavily. And then in order to get going again, you're going to go to one of these so-called fast chargers where you're going to fast charge it. That's hard on the battery. Read yep. the paperwork. It's right there. And the more you do that, uh, the sooner it's going to be that the thing starts to lose charge. So it's this just constant – it's this feedback loop of, of disaster – uh, that, that's that's causing the wheels to come off the EV bandwagon. But haven't we been saying for years, though, that the hybrid was the way to go? And so they had to kill it, right? That, that They were sure. trying you know, to kill this technology because it made sense. You'd have high mileage, easy drivability. Yeah, it was more expensive, but you actually did see it in its uh, in the range and the gas mileage. You know, it was substantial. Not even that expensive. Right? You know, you and I talked, I guess, about a month or so ago. I had the the new Prius, which has just been redesigned, mm-hmm. and it goes. I think it goes about seven hundred highway miles oh. on on a tank slash charge, and it also gets to sixty uh, remarkably. Uh, I think in about six seconds. Uh, 
you know, and it's a vehicle that will will probably last for fifteen or twenty years before it needs a new battery. And, so, a, and you know, a much what's, smaller battery, like? and it's a much smaller battery uh, cost and footprint when the time does come. You know, yeah. rather than uh, essentially a vehicle that, when it does lose its uh, battery capacity, is it really worth redoing? You know, at twenty thousand dollars. I mean, what are some of the prices to actually replace full electric vehicle batteries at this point? Do you have any idea? On where yeah, it's oh, going. absolutely. They're they're in the range of fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, depending on the vehicle. I saw something earlier today when I was working on my uh, Kia EV article about a Kia battery being forty thousand dollars. Now I don't know whether that's accurate or not, but even if it uh, it's half that, it's still it's just preposterous. Nobody's going to spend twenty thousand or even fifteen or ten thousand uh, dollars putting a battery in an, a nine or ten year old EV that by that time is only worth maybe $20,000. It's ridiculous. At that point, you just throw it away. Is there a possibility, though, that battery costs can be brought down and that we're still in the situation where it's not widely enough adopted? Uh, and once again, I'm just trying to be fair you know, to the other side on this one because uh, you know, I, I like what we like, but still, I, I just want to make sure you're just not poo-pooing something just because uh, you, you know, ideologically... Opposed well, gee, to I don't know. It's possible a man might walk on the surface of the sun at some point. Maybe they'll develop fireproof boots that will enable him to do that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it's entirely speculative. And I can tell you this. I've been covering this stuff since the 90s, the 90s. So it's been 30-something yeah. years. And I keep hearing about the great breakthrough that's coming around the corner, and I've yet to see it. So mm. there you go. Well, uh, I guess life is not like those old – remember those uh, Keystone – TV ads from the 1990s or whatever it is. Wouldn't it be great if, you know, and then they would put in some sort of fantasy, right? Wouldn't it be great yeah. if electric vehicle batteries only cost $1,000? <laughs> you know? But, you know, I will tell you this in all seriousness. If they shifted the emphasis away from the Teslian paradigm of high-performance, ludicrous-speed, uh, ultra-luxury vehicles that happen to be electric and focused on economy, uh, yeah, you could have a breakthrough. They have it in China. You could have a little transportation appliance, a little basic electric car that would be just great for getting you from A to B at low speeds in a city that wasn't designed to be a highway car. And you could mm-hmm. do that for eight, 9000 bucks. They have them in China. And can we not have them here because of safety standards or something Correct. like that? Ah, okay. So it's the Biden thing. Got it. All right. It's uh, 11 before 7 at uh, KMED KCMD. I'm talking with Eric Peters at epautos.com. EPAutos, great site. Hope you uh, support that. By the way, Minor Dave called me before uh, you came mm-hmm. on here, Eric, and he has a suggestion that uh, Trump wins re-election uh, or is elected you know, later this year, that uh, you should re- ask him to appoint you transportation secretary so that you can replace uh, T, uh, Pete Booty Jug. Uh, what do you think about that, huh? Oh, I'd happily take the job, provided uh, I had free reign uh, to cancel all of the regulations and institute some common sense. <laughs> the one time you would actually consider joining the government, right? Yeah, yeah they don't have, I don't want any money either. You know, all I need is a couple of weeks to get the job done, and then I can go back home and play with my new car lift. I love the idea. It's 10 before 7. Let's go to the phones here if you have a question for Eric. Let me go to line two. Hi, KMED, KCMD. You're with Eric Peters. Who's this? Good morning. Hi, this is Kirk. Hey, Kirk. What do you say? Oh, not much. I'm kind of thinking about getting a hybrid uh, SUV, and I wanted Eric to just kind of comment on a couple of things. I was looking at a a Toyota Highlander, Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. the second thing I wanted to ask is I I just looked at your article briefly before I hopped in the car this morning with regard to the automatic kill switch or whatever in 2026. Uh, Where's Toyota on all that? I'm not crazy about that thought. 
Well, Toyota is where everybody else is. You know, this is a federal mandate that's coming into force and in, uh, beginning with the 2026 models. So Toyota, like everybody else, assuming this technology is actually developed fully, will have to comply with the regulations. So there's that. Um, with regard to the, the Highlander, it's actually a crossover, not to be pedantic about it. It's not really an SUV, but it's a great vehicle. You know, it's comparable to getting something like a Camry hybrid. It's just that it's in a more useful package with, with more cargo space, and it's proved to be a very excellent vehicle. I think it gets something like 40 miles per gallon, so that's pretty good. All right. Um, the, I kind of thought uh, your article said there were uh, either – specific cars or manufacturers that were bringing this kill switch technology in sooner? I mean, would you, would you get a 24? Would you get a 25? Oh, oh or, I understand. Okay, what I, what, what, what I think what he's referring to here is what I talked about in the article, which is that cars that are already in circulation and that have been in circulation for several years now, uh, to one extent or another, already have pieces of the technology. They have things like lane keep assist, uh, drowsy driver monitor, automated emergency braking, things like that, that right now only pester you uh, with with uh, flashing displays and chimes. And in the case of lane keep assist, they pull the steering wheel uh, counter to where you're trying to steer the car. Uh, it depends on the maker model. Uh, some can be turned off partially, some not at all. Some, when you turn them off, uh, it's only off during the duration of the drive. And then when you stop, shut the car off and go back to start it again, everything boots back up and into the default position. So there's no one You'll position you can take on, on manufacturers. You really do have to. It's a model-by-model yeah. model sort of exam yeah, of sorts. All right. Does that help and you I'm out, though? I would, go, uh, I would just go to the Toyota dealer and, and take a test drive and try it out for yourself and see what can and cannot be turned off. All right. Sounds good. All thanks. right. Hope that answered your question, and thanks for the call. Appreciate you listening. It's uh, 6.53. Let's go to line three. Hi, KMED, KCMD. You're with Eric Peters. Who's this? Uh, is this me? Yes, it sure is. Uh, hi. Um, I'm wondering, those those little little cars like you were talking about that China makes but you can't bring in this country, mm-hmm. I'm wondering what Eric would say to the idea of what, what do we have in this country, even in the last... 20 years that's close to that that you could find and you know i've i i had in the 80s i had bw rabbit pickups mm-hmm. that were the greatest i thought they're just the greatest car in yeah the world and, and now those vw pickups are treasured you know because oh, they yeah. because they still do what they gave what they gave you back then 50 miles a gallon and the ability to uh do some useful work right that kind of thing yeah Absolutely. Well, you can't get anything that's electric, unfortunately, uh, in this country. However, oh, I don't want to. 20... No, I don't. I don't want electric. But I guess, yeah. Go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. Well, you can go back. Like Honda used to make an Insight. Uh, not, they still make it. Uh, I think they still make it. But it was a two-seer, and they made this right. roughly in the in the early two thousands. And if I remember correctly, that thing got sixty miles per gallon. Now it's a commuter. It's a two-seater. Very small. Focused. Right. Uh, focused on economy over Uber Alice. If you need something a little bigger than that. Uh, you could shoot around for something like a Mitsubishi Mirage. Uh, those, it's another you know little little commuter type car that gets 45, 50 miles per gallon. Um, uh-huh. You can even search a little older than that and go for something like a Geo Metro. I and mean, they're not very fast, but you, they get 50 plus miles per gallon. Very simple little car. And would that be easy to find parts for and stuff? Oh yeah, those they made a zillion of those things. You know, you might have trouble getting trim pieces, but who cares about that? You're probably looking at the functional stuff, right? Yeah. 
And is that a little? Is that like a little three-cylinder engine or something? If I you, if I remember correctly, I think it is. I think it's a one point three liter three-cylinder engine. It was I think made by Suzuki, and it was you know sold through a joint partnership with General Motors. Yeah, um, and they, you know they're 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 just they were reliable and solid because it was under stress. The engine wasn't designed to make a lot of power, and people generally yeah, yeah. drove well. I'm a, you know I wanted to get they, uh, yeah. they wanted to get maximum mileage and and durability out of the things. Okay, very good. And and by the way, the other thing about that, Eric, is that uh, is that those vehicles were also light. They were designed yeah. to be light. Uh, you weren't carrying around a lot of extra weight. That's also part of it uh, of the uh, mileage. Quotient, isn't it? We're part of that. Formula. Yeah, and that's why today's vehicles get such crappy mileage, relatively speaking, and notwithstanding all of the technology that they have, um, I can't remember exactly what the curb weight of the Geo Metro or Metro or a car like the Honda CRX uh, HFI was, but I bet it was around two thousand pounds or even less than that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I help you out, caller. Thanks. Thank you very much. All Appreciate right. it. Mm-hmm. Have hey. a great day. All right. You too. Now. All right. Let's talk about a couple of reviews of vehicles you've driven recently. And uh, we'll give you the whole story, but uh, scratching the uh, surface of it. The 2024 Dodge Hornet. You were actually somewhat mm-hmm. excited by this. I'd love to hear about that. Why? Yeah, well, you know, Dodge's, Dodge's whole reason for being uh, is to be a kind of counterbalance to the anodyne, boring, homogenized, soul-sucking appliances that are out there. That's why people love the Charger and the Challenger. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, Dodge can't make the Charger and the Challenger anymore. So they're trying to make uh, uh, lemonade out of the lemons that the government has handed them. And they've got this new peppy little crossover called the Dart that comes standard with a 260-something horsepower engine. Now, what I remember a Dodge Dart was back when I was a kid in the 1970s, yeah. the Dodge Dart was kind of... Oh, uh, excuse me. Yeah, it, 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 it's the Hornet. Not that's my, my fault oh. for the mix-up. There. Oh, 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 that's right. Now, now they did have a Dodge Dart. You know, a new version of the Dodge yeah. Dart. But uh, but the Hornet. The, yeah, this is different. Hornet. Now, is this a crossover or not? Right? It's 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 a crossover. Okay. Uh, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. That's that's what's selling today. It's practical. You know, much as I love the Charger and the Challenger, they're they're fun cars. They're not very practical cars. Crossovers sell a lot because they are very practical, but this one's actually got a pulse, and it, it, it's pretty fun to drive, and it's a lot stronger than the typical appliance in the class, especially for the money. And how much horsepower does this have? Because it's pretty peppy as it goes. Yeah, well, you've got two options. Uh, the, the standard engine uh, is a turbocharged 2-liter four-cylinder, and I think it's 260-something horsepower. Mm-hmm. And then they have um, a, a step-up hybrid, a plug-in hybrid version, which is the RT version. And that one has 280-something horsepower. All right. But the even uh, stock one, doesn't that sticker at about thirty grand somewhere in that neighborhood? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, and if you compare it to other, other crossovers in the class that cost roughly the same money, uh, you'll see it's a, it's, it's, it's a pretty approachable vehicle, and you're getting a lot more power for the money. And it is a little thirstier, though, with that power, you have to understand, right? Well, sure. I mean, okay. that kind of goes with the territory. And you figure somebody who wants a vehicle like that isn't going to be particularly concerned about it using, say, five miles, you know, getting five five miles less per gallon than something that's boring to drive. Isn't it kind of astounding how you can get uh, muscle car horsepower out of a four-banger these days, what they're able oh, to yeah, do? Oh, yeah, incredible. Yeah. One can only imagine the kinds of vehicles that we would have if the government weren't mucking around so much with what the manufacturers can do. All right. The other one I wanted to ask you about uh, was uh, one that you reviewed during Christmas vacation when I was off mm-hmm. the week, and that is the Mitsubishi Outlander plug-in hybrid. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that Mitsubishi has had trouble really having much market share in the United States. And is this uh, something to try to fix that, or how do you 
How do you read that? Well, what they're trying to do is make a practical electric car, kind of like Chevy did a number of years ago with the Volt. Mm -hmm. Um, The Volt was an interesting kind of hybrid uh, in that the gas engine chiefly was there uh, to provide electricity for um, the battery, and the battery fed electricity to the motor, and that was chiefly what propelled the vehicle. In this case, it's kind of similar in that you have uh, a vehicle that can be driven for about 30 miles uh, purely on on battery power if it's fully charged, and then when you exceed that range, the gas engine comes on, Starts to feed the battery and also helps to power the car. So it's, it's you know it's kind of a, a an in between solution to the problem of an electric car and also the problem of complying with all these government regs. And because it does have the electric hybrid aspect of it, though, it's more politically favored, right? Would that be fair to sure. say? Sure. I mean, it's good for Mitsubishi in that they get credit for producing a vehicle that is lower, almost no emissions in terms of things like carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. But yet it's appealing to people because it's practical. You know, you can get in it and you can drive it just like you would any other vehicle. You don't have to constantly worry about plugging the thing in somewhere and waiting for an hour before you can get going again. What kind of a driver is it? It's fine. You know, it's a perfectly fine little crossover. It's nothing, you know, to write home about. But the point is, it's kind of a have-your-cake-and-eat-it scenario, too. For the, for the person who would like to have an EV, but who doesn't want to have all of the problems that come with an EV, this is a great solution. 30 miles of battery-powered range is enough for a person who lives in the city or has a, a short commute uh, to operate almost entirely on electricity if they want to. But at the same time, if they need to jump on the highway or they didn't have time to plug the thing in, they can just get in and go for a drive like anybody else. And this kind of analysis is why I talk to Eric Peters every week, you know, to get the truth about what's going on with transportation. And I hope that you go to his site and support it, epautos.com. It's almost like you had EPA. (laughs) I know. I've thought about that, too. That was not intentional. (laughs) Uh, epautos.com, but uh, pretty good stuff there. And it's always great people on the commenting and everything else. And, uh, what do you have in the driveway right now? Maybe for next week, just so we can uh, kind of get a, a little pre-sell on that. It's a Subaru Outback wagon. Um, really? Which is, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a Subi guy. I like Subis. The only thing I don't like about current generation Subis is that they all come standard with this kind of creepy eyesight technology, um, you know, that keeps track of your eye movements and that nags you if it thinks you're looking in an inappropriate direction, among other things. Well, you know, Subaru always tends to market it with, like, love. It's a Subaru, that sort of thing. The car loves you. It just wants to look in your eyes deeply. I guess. I guess so. You know, I was at a, an old car museum the other day, and, and I was looking longingly, batting my eyes at, a, at an 80s-era Subaru Brat. You know, remember those little things? Oh, those things were so much fun. Absolutely. Yep. And, you know, with the seats in the back that that people could sit in, right? That kind of thing? Yep. The, the, the mm-hmm. rear-facing jump seats, uh, you know, the, the, the 747-sized landing lights on the roof, uh, and absolutely no driver assistance technology whatsoever. Those are also vehicles that are highly collected and prized now. You know, these uh, days, because they did what they, well, it's something that nobody else is doing right now. Yeah, I mean, this one, it's a well-preserved example, and it's on. It, it's available for, I think it was about 25000 bucks. Yep. You know, I'd pay for that in a minute. Yeah, you got it. All right. Eric, great talk as always. Happy New Year, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Then. Sounds good, Bill. Thanks. It's a couple minutes after 7. KMED, KMED HD1, Eagle Point, Medford, KCMD, Grants Pass. 
Stewardship. That means taking great care of the people and the things we've been entrusted with. Hi, this is Lisa from Kelly's Automotive Service in Grants Pass in Medford. Being good stewards is a value at the core of our business. Every interaction, every transaction is another opportunity to do the right thing. If you're looking for a new shop to bring your vehicle, or maybe you're a technician who wants to be part of something bigger, we'd love to meet you. You can find us on the web at kellysautomotive.com. We're Kelly's Automotive Service, where we service your vehicle, but take care of you. This is Bill Meyer on behalf of my friends at Sky Park Insurance on the web at skyparkins.com. I've been a client of Sky Park Insurance and Steve Yancey and saving a ton of money on my home and auto insurance plans for many years. Many KMED and KCMD listeners can attest to the good deals and service that Sky Park provides. And you can still call Steve at 261-5444 for home, auto, life, and those needs. But now Sky Park helps with Medicare insurance needs too. Lynn Barton joined Sky Park a while back and is there to help you with Medicare insurance options. If you're going to be turning 65 soon, let Lynn help you with all the ins and outs of Medicare and supplemental insurance plans. There are many options to choose from in Medicare, and often the rules and choices can be confusing. Lynn knows what's going on in this field and can help make this easy. Call Lynn Barton from Sky Park Insurance right now, 541-499-0958. Again, Lynn Barton at Sky Park Insurance, 499-0958. At Sky Park, they make Medicare insurance plans easy, too. When choosing a contractor, you need a professional. Clauser Drilling's professionalism starts with their organized office staff and continues with their experienced field staff. A family-owned business, Clauser Drilling employs qualified individuals with diverse skills and experience who share the same passion. This means dependable results you can trust. Don't take a risk on your well contractor. For drilling, deepening, or repair, call 541-476-7795 or visit ClauserDrilling.com. Serving Southern Oregon since 1971. Thanks to you, they're great customers. Bill Meyer with Sharice from No Wires Now. So glad I switched to Dish. And if your listeners have DirecTV or cable TV, they're paying too much. And you made it easy to switch. Plus, I got the Hopper DVR and Dish's very cool voice-activated remote. Call today. Tell me what you have, how much you're paying, and I think you're going to love Dish. I'll even help you lower your existing internet and cell phone bill. Call Sharice like I did. 541-680-5875. NoWiresNow.com. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Internet and cell phone service are not provided by Dish. This is the Bill Myers Show on 106.3 KMET and 99.3 KCMD. Five after seven. We're going to continue the great conversation on Wheels Up Wednesday, this time speaking on uh, Liberty here in a few minutes. We're going to get State Senator Dennis Lithicum on the sky. And we want to dig into why is it so difficult to get good people, I mean, truly good people, to run? Because uh, something I've noted recently is that I look at all of the Republicans in the House as an example, the state House, the state legislature, the ones that would not stand for the senators who were walking out to deny quorum to the bloodthirsty Democrats just wanting to uh, cut the sexual organs off of every kid possible, it seems, under gender-affirming care rules, you know, that kind of stuff. The senators that walk out, they're punished and the people who stayed are, you know, in some cases, flipping things around and, and taking over the senators <laughs> or wanting to run against these uh, senators. It's 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 really weird. It's just a bizarre kind of turn in which uh, the ones that you want to keep are the ones that they're most likely trying to bounce out right now. And the people that, uh, frankly, I wouldn't want to be senators. They're the ones that are, you know, uh, moving into these positions. But anyway, well, I don't know if he'll go into that or not because... Uh, Senator Linthicum, of course, is a rather polite guy, 
But uh, we'll kick things around with him a little bit. We'll also have the Hannity update. Right now, USA Radio News. We'll catch up on the national stuff and then uh, more of your calls. And, oh, by the way, Kevin Sterrett joins me a little bit later this hour, too. Great news yesterday on the Measure 114 court fight. Okay, we'll tell you all about that coming up. 